I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. This is a weekend video for the week ending Friday, May 8, 2020. What kind of stuff do we have on the docket for this video? A, we're going to take a look at the market in the same manner in which we always do. We're going to look at a variety of charts. We're going to look at both the bull case. We're going to look at the bear case. We'll take a look at where the money was made on Friday. We'll take a look around the horn. And then what we're going to do is take a look at not only some stocks, but we're going to take a look at some exchange-traded funds, some sector-related exchange-traded funds from both a daily and a weekly perspective to see if they're going to provide us any clues into the future. The first thing we do is take a step back. What's the first thing that jumps off the page at the daily chart? It's really the same thing that's been on the page for quite a while. The market's in an uptrend since the bottom was made. This is the March 23 bottom. We're continuing to trade above the 50 and 20 period moving average. We're challenging the recent highs. We're headed toward the area identified some time ago. At present, the duck is still this scenario. You have a series of up moves, pretty shallow pullbacks all in all, which tells you that the market is not being rejected at any one particular area. These are just garden variety pullbacks. Therefore, the theme or the trend remains the same. It's an up move, a pullback, a move higher, a pullback, a move higher. And here is again, make it or break it time for the bulls. We're going to need to see if they can bust through the recent highs or will they continue to create a pattern that will ultimately show up in the media This one, if this neckline, this is a head and shoulders pattern, it's not drawn correctly right here. However, it's a hypothesized view. But if in fact this took place, this could be a problem for the bulls. However, if I wipe this off and we do it again, this is less of a hypothesized view and more of what's actually going on. So this is drawn from point to point and until and unless the market gets above this high and closes above that high. So if it does, it takes this head and shoulders pattern off the table. If it doesn't and heads back down, we're going to be watching this neckline very, very carefully. We're not there now, but this is getting pre-prepared for a just-in-caser. In fact, that's the only bear case on the daily chart. Some traders want to draw another bearish case on the chart. Let me show you what that looks like. In a real rough conceptualized format, it's basically a big move down and a big bearish wedge pattern, or some folks are calling it a big rising wedge, rising channel. All that stuff from in terms of the technical books, that's correct. If you want to put the channel in, it's somewhere in here like this. All that stuff is right. The problem with all that stuff is you don't know when the channel is actually going to break back down to the downside. Some will say we broke the channel. Now they're retesting the bottom. They're going to collapse again. Again, that might all be true. But when you look at the daily chart, if I just take this off and just have the conversation a little bit different, it's all a matter of perspective. Again, it's the psychology of the market. It's a market where 
Two people can look at the same thing, and that goes for any market. Two people look at the same thing, and A, based on either their biases, or B, based on something they heard somewhere else, or C, something they see gives them a certain outlook. The next guy, the next girl, has a different outlook based on their biases, what they've read, or what they see. That is, by definition, the market. It's what makes a market. Some are bearish, some are bullish, some think higher, some think lower, some think Fed-induced, some think manipulated, some think a buying opportunity, some think there's always an imminent crash. This is what makes a market. That's why they sell both puts and calls every single day, among all the other stuff that's for sale. But let's say I had the same conversation that there is a bearish wedge here. However, from a daily chart perspective, we're in an uptrend. We're pointed toward the convergence of these moving averages into the zone that we've been targeting for quite some time, 297 to 302, give or take on either side. And each and every time there's any kind of a pullback, it's met with buyers. It happens to be on lighter and lighter volume as time goes on. And we know the market went up for 10 or 11 years on light volume since the financial crash back in 2008. So when I hear the market's going to crash because the volume's light, that's not the case. The volume is light, which creates the path of least resistance, which is higher. You'll see on the down days or the down candles, that's when the volume picks up. Case in point, look at the high from the 29th. The volume down here was a pretty decent volume day. The next day was a down day. The next day after that was a down day, and they were higher volume days. Then when the market found stability and found at least what we'll call an interim low or a low, the volume dropped off. And look what happened on the way back up. The volume stayed pretty constant from where it dropped off. Volume lesson 101. Look at it from a larger perspective. Here's a volume drop off. Here's a consistent drop off over time. Not day in, day out, but you can see the trend. The trend is up in the market and it's down in the volume. I'm not making this up. It's right there in red, green, and some kind of teal color. So you see what happens depending on how you have the conversation, it creates the bias that's within. This is something that's really right out of the course, Lazy E-mini Trader. And the question would be, well, how do you identify the top? Well, we have a list of ways we identify a top. So until and unless we see one of those things materialize on a list of ways we see the top, then we just go with the trend is higher until it's not. By the way, Something that's not lost on all of us, I hope, is where the market opened on Friday. Something we discussed on Thursday, which is if the market was having trouble trading through a specific area, it has a tendency to gap above or below said area. So it did that. It gapped above the area of the gap that we were looking at. So the gap here is 290.48. That's the horizontal line. 288 is the first one. 290.48 is the second one. We gapped above, or they gapped above, and here's an hourly chart, and you can see what happens. They gap above, they run a quick test, the market finds stability, by the dip crowd comes right in, and the market begins trading, for the most part, sideways all day long with a tinge to a grind higher until the last candle of the day, in which that was the place or the time frame that they, quote-unquote, did the deal. 
the deal is going back to what was the pre-market highs. That was something that was spelled out inside the numbers bright and early Friday morning. So here's the pre-market notes, and here's the ES contract, the futures contract, and here's the level that we were watching for the pre-market highs, 29.23. This happened at 3 o'clock in the morning, and basically we were eyeballing that number all day long. It was an all-day sucker. So you can read this on your own, but let's just gander at a few important things. So we have a little chart music on the board early Friday. Remember 2902, that's the futures corresponding number. So they got above the number in the futures, and that was the number that they ended up gapping above early Friday morning at the opening bell. So let's scroll up and see what else was going on. Let's cut right to the chase. Look, what does perfect look like? And by the way, this is on the board before the opening bell. So here it is. This is the early thoughts. This is 10 or 15 minutes before the bell rings. What does perfect look like? Early shakeout followed by a test of the pre-market high at some point this morning. So they didn't do it in the morning. I got that wrong. But what we did know was that they have to stay above 29.02 on hourly closes. Pre-market high is 29.23. That's the target. So here's the way you read that. As long as they're above the 2902.50 and namely 2900, they can dip down, they run some tests. So we'll call it the general zone. But as long as they're above that, even though they didn't get to the target in the morning, the target is still an open case. Let's scroll up a little bit, see what else was going on. Already at 938, they're doing the first half of the preferred thing. Early shakeout as suspected. It's showtime for the bulls in and around here. So right out of the gate, the schematic looks good. Even a few minutes into the trading day, so far, so good. Again, 942, so far, so good. Shakeout back above 2900, step one and two. Now we just need one more thing, and this is 12 minutes into the day. We just need the market to stay up here, and they'll grind it higher. In awareness, 948, it would be normal for the bulls and the bears to battle things out around the psychological number of ES2900 for a while. Normal, garden variety stuff. Now we move along, we move along. It's a pretty boring day as they're grinding sideways back and forth. Chop shop formation, you know the routine. Little commentary from Stocks on the Move, front runners on AAOI. Thank you very much. I guess that's a touche. We'll go back and circle back to Stocks on the Move. Take a look at the charts real quick. We do have to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. 11.10, there goes FISV, little pre-lunch appetizer, and we move right along, and the market gets very, very quiet, it lulls into a sleep mode, you could see 3.03, it was an all-day sucker, but here they are again, trying to bust out to the pre-market highs. Another awareness, end-of-the-day jam session, and they actually had the the end-of-the-day jam session, finish out the notes. And there was really only one thing in terms of the S&P 500. It was the pre-morning shakeout. It was the trek higher to the pre-market morning highs. Ultimately, they did all that stuff. Out of this list, officially two hit their price objectives. F-I-S-V, A-A-O-I, the first two listed on the board. However, we're going to take a look at the third one down, net, even though it didn't hit its price objective It's kind of neat to take a look at it anyway. You'll see what I'm saying in a moment. Something to mention on the stocks on the move list. 
when we get these gap ups in the morning, what it does is a lot of times it takes away some, if not most of the opportunity from this list because stocks end up going into a quick float mode instead of reaching their objectives, their destination on the downside. You get that rising tide lifts all boats kind of theory theme going on early in the morning. Not every time, sometimes. However, here's the thing. We take what we can get. You take what Mrs. Market is willing to provide. Let's look at the one that didn't hit first. So the number on the board was 24.94. So the stock closed the prior day. This is Thursday, closing price 29.54. Haircut at the open, pretty good buzz cut, all the way down to a low of what? 25.03 against what? 24.94, just missed took off to the upside, had a rocket ride. It happens, but the takeaway is the stock was headed to a destination. Maybe I had the destination slightly wrong. Maybe it didn't get to the destination, but you can see what's going on here. The theme is when stocks get to a destination, they're going to do one of two things. Go back in the other direction or hang around for a cup of coffee and have a continuation move to another destination. What did Fiserv do? F-I-S-V, 103.98 was the number on the board, bright and early. Now this is interesting. Why did this one stay on the board? In the pre-market before the opening bell, this one was around 107, 108. Look what happened at the opening bell. Here's yesterday's close or Thursday's close. This is the first five minute candle of Friday and it had a high of 108.83, and then it came down later. It didn't come down till 10.10 in the morning. I saw what was going on in the pre-market. Maybe you get a little bit of a rope-a-dope. The bulls got the rope-a-dope. We were waiting to pick up the pieces at 103.98. What happened after 103.98? Here's your high of 105.21. Not tremendous, but guess what? You can see the importance of this area around 104. Look what happened all day long. So it gave you the trade, but at the end of the day, it really hung around for a cup of coffee. As long as you know what's going on, you're leaps and bounds ahead of the majority of everybody else. How about AAOI? This was really a crap deal. So here's what happened. The low here is 1048. The buy price was 1047. So that's the front runners at your service. And it goes up to 1080 in this candle here. That's the high. And on a $10 stock, that's fine. That's a pretty good bounce. Comes back down, goes to the second level, spikes through the second level by a penny or two, gives you a little bounce and hangs around all day. So this one also hung around for a cup of coffee, but you can see both prices proved to be important. So even if you didn't get the monster trade out of it, what you get out of it is the takeaway of a comfort level that says, hey, I get it, this works. This one, this particular trade, AAOI, didn't give the real deal. That's fine. They're not all going to give the real deal. It's around the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, we get the deal. 20% of the time, ends up to be a bogus deal. About a short hop. Back over to the IWM. Let's see what's going on in this camp. Same routine. It's actually lagging the S&P in terms of reaching the former high from the 29th of April. So it seems to be showtime. They're either going to get through this high or they're going to have trouble once again and get rejected, have another pullback, have a chop shop formation for a while, or simply get rejected. We don't know yet, but those are the options. The duck is it's still bullish until it's not. 
Until the market provides a sign or a signal of a trend change, what is that? Those are the things I discussed before. They're taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. Until the market provides one of those signals, we go with the duck. It's in an uptrend currently. It is what it is. What traders can't do is create something that's not there. What that really is, is imposing your will on the market. That's the bias thing we were talking about. It doesn't work. What's going on over at the transportation department, which is my second favorite market-leading indicator, a number one canary in the coal mine? You can see what's going on here. We have a failure, failure, failure underneath the moving averages, and all of a sudden, the rope-a-dope, the gap higher, the jump over both moving averages, the gap and go. Is that bullish or bearish? That's bullish. It's the duck. Did they fill this gap up here yet? No, they haven't. Will they? Yes, they will. Just like the IWM, the transports are lagging the S&P on the chart in terms of where the high is from the 29th. It's lagging, but look what happened on Friday. This is a turnaround. This is a canary move. Unless it's a one-day wonder and anything's possible, but that's not the duck. That's the 20%. The 80-20 rule says 80% of the time, this is going to be a duck. This is a turnaround. This is essentially a bearish pattern, right? We had a move down and the market was starting to make a bear flag pattern underneath the moving averages. That would result in a continuation move down south to fill the gap. Well, guess what? Instead, we have a flip around. That's the same thing as a pie in the face. Three and a half percent up on a day when the S&P 500 was up about 1.7%. That's leading the market. It's a canary. It's a leading indicator. It's the duck. You take it at face value and you move on. Anything wrong with the folks out in Silicon Valley? The Qs? No, absolutely not. They're doing the thing they've been doing, which is leading the market, grinding higher, above all the moving averages. Nothing wrong with the Qs. Move it along. They're currently in no man's land. Where's no man's land? By the way, it's above this high here, which is a gap window, and beneath filling the gap up here around 230. Are they going to make it easy to fill the gap? You never know. They typically don't make it that easy, but the Qs are bullish. They've been bullish. They've been a tell. Move it along. How about the financials? Same routine, similar same routine as the transports. They were melting away below the moving average, and guess what? The convergence of these moving averages, the 50 and the 20, guess what? Jumped above them, same routine as the spider. It's how they do it sometimes. Can't do it during the regular trade, just jump them. Unless they have a quick turnaround, a gap down Monday, this is going higher. What this is telling you is this was another pullback, and you have one of these going. Up move, pullback. Up move, pullback. Up move, pullback here it comes we're in the middle or the beginning of the next up move so this really in terms of the 80 20 rule this shouldn't be the end of the next up move we just jumped the moving averages now unless we're going to do this and pull off one of these head and shoulders deals this is going to go back and challenge the highs over here let me wipe that off and do that again this should go back and challenge the highs over here having jumped the gap Unless we have a quick turnaround down here, then that's trouble. But that's not what this is saying. That's not the duck on the board. A lot of times, and take this one for what it's worth, a lot of times what traders tend to do 
is anticipate a move. But now that's always what everybody's essentially doing, but it's not anticipating the duck move. What most traders are doing is they're anticipating the surprise move because the surprise move is the one that's going to pay them off. That's the one they want, but they rarely ever get it. 80-20 rule is you're normally going to get the duck move. The 20% is the surprise move. Case in point, let's say trader A shorted the market on Friday leading into the weekend, figuring it's too far too fast. They're going to kill him Monday or Sunday night, and I'm going to get paid off on a gap down. It happens, and it can happen. That was really a guess because what the charts are saying, at least from where I sit, the charts are saying that's not the likely scenario. The likely scenario is continuation move in the northern direction. Now, that's from where I sit. You can disagree. Any trader can disagree. But that would be the guess with the gap down on Monday. From where I sit, the higher probability trade would be holding long, looking for continuation move into early this week. Smash Mouth, telling the same story as the other stuff above all the moving averages. This is not bearish, it's bullish. I said we were going to look at some stocks and some ETFs. I might have got out over my skis on that. I'm not sure we're going to have time for the whole ball of wax. But we'll start here with some ETFs and just take a look to see if we can gain any additional information that would be valuable, whether it's the bull case or the bear case, in any of the exchange-traded funds that are sector-related. So what this really is, is it's drilling down the S&P 500 into the individual sectors that make up the S&P 500. The next step would be to take the leading stocks inside of these exchange-traded funds, which would be the stocks within the sectors that make up the S&P 500, and you typically look at, let's say, the top five or ten, that would be your market-leading stocks of the market-leading sectors of the S&P 500. And as I was describing all that, to me, that seems obvious, but I've been doing this a long time. To somebody that showed up yesterday, that's not necessarily obvious, so maybe that was helpful. I hope it was. Kind of one of those light bulb moments where... Where do you find the stocks that are the ones that kind of are going to lead the charge when money rotates from one sector to another? And guess what? Bingo, pop goes the weasel, there's your answer. And by the way, there's caveats, not every time. Stuff comes out of the woodworks, we know all that. And by the way, what is the energy sector telling us? Nothing that we haven't discussed before. You have two options If you're a bear, you can look at it like this and say, we're going to have a continuation move. The problem is, you could have done the same thing. Let me show you an example. You could have done the same thing, and most did do the same thing here, right? Could have done it like that. That was a pie in the face. Also, could have done it somewhere else. Could have done it right here. Another pie in the face. And here's the point why I keep bringing that up. You don't know where this is going to end, right? This could keep going up to here. What if it does? Fine. Maybe there's a great short up here, but there's a lot of pain if you're short between here and here. I don't want to be in a short from this space in here. I'd rather be long or a spectator or something, something without the pain. What does that go to? That goes to what I said before twice. This is the third time. Why am I saying it for the third time? Because it's that important. We're looking for signs and a signal of a trend change. Until and unless you get that, the trend is higher. The trade is with the trend, not fighting the trend, not guessing when the trend is over. Get it? Good. 
How about the tech stuff? Well, this is the mirror image for the most part of the queues. We're not expecting to see anything different here. How about retail? Now, look where retail is as compared to, for example, the transports and the IWM. Retail is approaching where the S&P 500 topped out on the 29th. So it's ahead of some other stuff, behind the tech stuff. It's basically on par with the SPY. It's interesting when you think about it. Who's buying anything when stores are closed in the entire world? Not really, but it's easy to say it that way. You got the point. The market is anticipating that whole scenario being over. It's just that simple. Consumer discretionary, do we find any trouble spots here? Not really, same routine. We're just doing a quick sanity check. Do we see anything that jumps off the page? That's all we're doing when we look inside the S&P. Healthcare, above all the moving averages. Anything troubling? No. What about some of the global stuff? Same routine, same short-term trend. Nothing that jumps off the page in the other direction. EEM. This is the emerging markets. Same routine. So what's the net net out of all this? All charts look the same. It's all the same market. There are certainly divergences from one to the next in terms of magnitude. They don't all look exactly the same, but they're giving off the same concept. So what does that tell you? They're moving together. They're all going to continue to move together. And when they do decide to top out, they'll all top out together. It's just that simple. From where I sit, We're not ready to top out just yet. If that changes Monday or Tuesday or three weeks from now, it is what it is. You want to ride the current trend. Don't fight the trend. Don't fight the Fed. Don't fight your wife. Don't fight your parents. Don't fight your boss. Think about it like this. Most of the time, other than feeling better about yourself because you think you won, what's the upside of fighting? I'll give you the deal. You're the only one that thought that was a good idea. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.